my app for recording for the podcast tells me how many people have listened over the past, well, up until that point. And just as I turned it on just now, it went from four to five. So somebody is listening to last week's this morning. <laughs> it's further morning service. So anyway, Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but, the, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have you understood these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. And let's pray. Lord, again, as we turn to your word, we just again thank you for it. Um, thank you for the ministry of Jesus, um, his time spent on this earth, his time spent teaching and preaching, um, giving us a much deeper understanding of who you are and what his purpose was even in coming here, Lord, and um, Lord, we just ask this morning that you would help me as I preach and teach, Lord, and just ask that you would guide my thoughts. Uh, I pray, Lord, that our time here would be useful and beneficial, that we would be encouraged and draw closer to you through this time, Lord. We just ask this in Christ's name again. Amen. So as we Get started in this next parable. Verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden afield, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, we've moved around a lot from host to host, and um, we go on various properties, and one place that we lived um, was the old Sunshine Hotel, and we didn't, there wasn't a, a buried treasure or anything there, but that place had a very interesting history, and after moving there, we knew nothing about that history when we bought the place, but having moved there, as we talked to people in the community, all these different people would tell us little tidbits of the history 
of the building and the history of the various things that took place there and the changes that took place over time. And in that building, as we did renovations, which we seem to always do a lot of renovations on places, but we started to tear things apart. And within this large building, we found the original small building that was first built <laughs> and then an add-on here and an add-on over there. And it was just very interesting seeing all the changes that took place over the years. And you hear stories of people finding some kind of treasure hid in the walls of these old houses. And so we were always anticipating as we would tear something apart that maybe <laughs> there'll be something hidden in those walls. And there was lots of interesting things that we found, but never a treasure. Um, the closest thing was where there was a hole in the drywall, must have been there for some time, and the, a child had lived in that house. And so we found this one pocket in the wall full of chi a child's toys, <laughs> where it had kept dropping things into this hole in the wall. But we did find, a, we took the kitchen cupboards down, and there was a big stack of old photos um, that showed a lot of the history, and we actually ended up donating those to the museum out there. But tales of treasure hidden in the walls of places is intriguing, isn't it? The idea of, you know, that we got this field behind us, the thought of there being her out there, if we stumbled across it, and what Jesus is saying is, if this, there was some great valuable treasure, there's nothing you wouldn't sell to buy that field. They say there's nothing that's not for sale. You just have to know, find the right price, right? And so we, that field's not for sale at the moment, but for the right price, that guy will sell it, as long as he doesn't know that treasure's there, right? But that's what Jesus is saying, is that's what the kingdom of God is like. We should, if we knew, if only we knew the value of what was there, the value of that message, there would be nothing that we wouldn't give up to get that. It's an interesting, and it's very practical sounding in, in the context of the parable. It says, When a man hath found, he hideth it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. If we found this treasure in a field that we didn't own. The idea of hiding that so that when we're trying to buy the field that nobody else is going to notice that that treasure is there, right? How does that fit into the whole point of this parable? <laughs> well, we have to think about what, what's the treasure? What is, what are we What's the field? What's the treasure? We need to kind of break this apart and see and think about how this fits in our lives. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure, but it's hid in a field. Where do we find out about the kingdom of heaven? It's in this book. 
this book is hiding the treasure. Now, I think for us sitting here in Canada, we can, we can pick up a Bible anytime we want. We can go anywhere and we can find a Bible to read if we want one. But if you go to China, they're not allowed to own a Bible. You can't just mail a box of Bibles to China. They have to smuggle these Bibles in. And so it's more practical, it more right down to what this is saying fits in that circumstance. When, when we think about hiding this treasure, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm supposed to, when I, when I find out about the treasure in God's word, I'm supposed to broadcast that as far and wide as I can, aren't I? So what's the, what, what's the idea of hiding it? Well, the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, we need to, when we see the value of what's in there, I'm going to guard this with my life. There's nothing I wouldn't give to make sure that I know the message that this book contains. That's, Here's, the, here's where my treasure is hidden. It's within the pages of this book. How many people who profess to be Christians have a Bible that never leaves its spot other than to go to church on Sunday? And at the majority of churches now, when they put the verses up on the screen, people don't even bring their Bibles to church anymore. So now it just sits on a shelf permanently, is never cracked open, never used and read. There's a treasure hidden in there, and they don't even know that it's there. <laughs> I should be willing to give anything I have to find out what the truth of that treasure is, what's inside of this book. You think of our life, it's like the Bible says, our life is like a vapor. It's so short. Ask any grandparent <laughs> how short their life has seemed. It just yesterday when they were having their own kids, right? And now their kids are having kids. And, and I think some of you, your, your kids' kids are having kids. And how fast that time goes. But that's like a vapor. It goes like nothing in comparison to the eternity that lays ahead of us. And we need to value that eternity way beyond what's in this life. And we should be willing to give up anything in this life to have the treasure that lies in that kingdom in eternity. And so that idea of hiding this treasure so that we can purchase that field is we need to realize that there is an enemy out there that wants to prevent you from learning what's in this book. 
that enemy wants to prevent anybody that you're telling about that treasure, he wants to stop them from learning about that treasure. And we need to hide that in the sense of protecting it so that I can have it. So that it doesn't get stolen away before I get to access that treasure. And that's exactly what happens and we see in the, the parable of the sower the poor soil and the birds come and snatch it away, right? That gospel gets taken before it gets a chance to sprout in those people. And so we need to hang on to that, hide it, protecting it so that I can receive that treasure and then later we can start to spread that abroad. But once it's ours before it's ours we need to to covet that thing to to have that for ourselves the bible describes what is contained inside of it in a few different ways isaiah chapter 12 regarding salvation if i start in verse 2 says behold god is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. What a description. With joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. And you, this description of this containment of salvation is a well. Are you thirsty for what the Bible contains? It is a well of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 2 is similar in the context is of, of wisdom and understanding. It starts in verse 1, says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The scriptures contain a treasure and says, Seek it as silver and search for her as hid treasures. One of those stories we heard about the Sunshine Hotel was that it was a stopping point for those traveling west and during the time of Louis Riel and the rebellion that was going on out west. And they were taking a chest of money in the canoes heading west and somewhere along the river the canoes capsized and there is a treasure hidden in that river somewhere because <laughs> they lost all that money and I after hearing that I often considered traveling up that river and <laughs> searching for that treasure it was a seek 
Seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. But I tell you, that's a, that is a hidden treasure that's probably going to stay hidden. Um, we paddled down that river in the, the violent rapids, waterfalls and pools, and who knows where that accident would have happened and where that treasure might be scattered at this point. But John chapter 5. Jesus is answering the Pharisees. He says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures. Just like the proverb says, as for hid treasures, we can search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. In them is the truth of eternal life. People search for a... The, the fountain of youth, hoping for eternal life, right? Well, we have it. <laughs> it's a book in front of us. Search the scriptures. Jesus is telling them, do it. Go looking, because you will find eternal life contained in those pages. And Psalm 105, verse 3 says, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. And Paul, with this idea of selling all that I have to buy that field, to gain ownership of that treasure, in Philippians 3, verse 8, he says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. No matter what possessions I have, if I can lose it all, and it, it's all worthless as long as I win Christ. That eternal life that comes through him. The next couple of verses in Matthew 13 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Well, it's very similar to the, the previous verse with this, this other parable that we just talked about. It sounds like the same thing. If we go back to Genesis chapter 41... Genesis 41. We see the story of Joseph. He's been in Egypt and now he's been imprisoned. had the kings, the pharaohs, cupbearer, and his baker in prison with him, and he, Joseph, interpreted their dreams, and when they got re one got released, put back into his place, Joseph had asked him to remember him and mention him before Pharaoh, and he, of course, forgot, 
But now Pharaoh has had a couple of dreams. And these dreams have upset him. And he's looking for an answer to what these dreams mean. And then he remembers Joseph. And so Joseph gets called to come and interpret these dreams. And the one dream is of the seven fat cows that then get eaten by seven skinny cows. And then the second dream is of the, the corn. The fat corn gets consumed by this windswept barren corn. And so in verse 32, Joseph answers, he says, and for that dream, for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. He had said that the, the two dreams are one dream. They're the same dream. It was just a different picture given to describe the thing, the same thing that's going to happen. But it was doubled because God's going to shortly bring it to pass. There was a doubling of that dream to show the significance, the, the imminent happening of that. And we can see the same thing. Jesus gives the same parable, just with different parts in it. He just changes the features in it. But the parable means the same thing. It's the same parable given twice. He's just emphasizing the importance of that. I see that in this parable of the great, the pearl of a great price, that Jesus himself is that pearl of great price. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, received him, that's Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now what greater value <laughs> is, is anything to get than that? We receive Christ and you become the son of God. There is no pearl of greater value than that. And when we start to think about that, that promise, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Through faith in Christ, we get adopted as, as children. We're, the Bible says we, we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 5 builds on that, says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And the next verse says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, 
crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. What a, what a gift. What a treasure worth giving everything up for, isn't it? And that's what we see Jesus describing in this, these two parables that come together. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We should be willing to give up absolutely everything to be able to receive Jesus Christ and to become an adopted son of God and receive an inheritance, not just of eternal life, but of the kingdom of God. It is ours for our possession. We've talked about that kingdom, that eternal kingdom that is yet to come. The new heaven and the new earth. This next parable changes direction again. It says, And again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good unto vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is an interesting parable in that Jesus gives the explanation of it right with the parable. This is something that he, we've seen him do Separately, after the fact, um, privately with his disciples, he would sometimes they would ask him about the various parables, and he would give an explanation in private to the disciples. But this time, he's giving the parable, and he gives an explanation of it right away. And we see, if you think about the parable that we recently looked at of the tares in the field. Jesus gave that parable and the planter came and put the tares in with the, the field and they grow up together and the master says, you have to leave those in the field until the harvest. And when it's time to harvest, we're going to harvest it. We're going to gather the tares together to be burned at that time. You don't root them up because we don't want to root up the good wheat with the tares. Well, this is a very similar parable, and I would almost go back to that idea of the same as I said for the two parables that talk about a treasure that's hidden and give, selling all that you have to gain that treasure. It was doubled, and this is basically a doubled parable again of the one with the tares. But this time, he's using fish being gathered in a net. 
And one of those, one of the things that I see in here that I'm just going to make the point of is that net It says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, that when it, when it was full, they drew it to shore and sat down and gathered the good unto vessels, but cast the bad away. That net is like the church. We're gathering as many fish. Jesus said, well, I'll make you fishers of men, Right? And so we're gathering as many fish as we can gather in our net. But just like the tares, when they sprung up, it wasn't until they started to bear fruit that they could tell that those were tares that had been planted among the wheat. They weren't bearing fruit. The gathering of the net is very much the same is within the church we have believers and we have unbelievers professing believers who haven't truly given their life to Christ haven't truly believed the gospel message but they're among us and in that parable with Jesus with the tares he says don't don't judge those who you think aren't truly saved and try to tear them out of the church because in doing that you're going to tear up some fragile wheat <laughs> some of the fragile believers that still need that soil that still need a chance to grow and mature and so he's just warning to be careful in that and we see the same thing here is the fish are all gathered together and it's not until they draw it to shore, till the end, that they're separated. And it's not our job to separate and to decide who is truly saved and who isn't saved and try to root out those differences as they're coming into the net. We don't worry about that. That's up to God to know who is saved and who isn't saved. And it says at the end... He's going to send his angels to do the separating. He'll take care of it. It's not our job to decide who is or isn't saved. Our job is to cast the net, to do the fishing, to gather as many as we can. But he gives that answer at the end. It says the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, there's not much left to the imagination of what the answer is, where those are going. At the end, at Jesus' second coming, there is going to be a separation happening. And he's going to separate those. And he's going to destroy the wicked at his second coming at the entrance of his kingdom. And then finally, we get to the end of the parables here. And Jesus says in, in verse 51, he says, 
have ye understood these, all these things? And they, answer, they say unto him, Yea, Lord. Jesus asks if they understood. Like, do you have any questions? <laughs> when Jesus asks that, don't you think he actually wants them to understand? Jesus wants us to understand. <laughs> He's given these parables so that we can build these pictures in our mind of the truth that he's teaching so that we can know how valuable <laughs> this gift of salvation is. We can know how precious it is to have, to, to be in possession of the inheritance of that eternal kingdom. And he gives some explanation of how that's going to come to pass in the end. And he wants us to understand these things. And so he asks the people, do you understand? And they said, yes. Yes, we understand. He's giving them a fair bit of explanation at this point. So presumably, they do understand. And then he says, verse 52, Then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Now, it says, Therefore every scribe which is instructed in the kingdom of heaven, he's calling them scribes. I didn't write down the verse, but in Ezra, Ezra is described as a ready scribe because God's preparing him to proclaim his word. And just as God is preparing these men who have received this to proclaim that word, the scribes in Jesus' day were the teachers of the people. They were the ones that had the understanding of the scriptures. And so Jesus is saying, you guys, now that you've heard all these things, you've received all this teaching, you are now the scribes. You are now to become the teachers of the rest of the people. And it's an interesting way that he describes this. Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven, just as what Jesus just instructed them in, is like a man that's a householder, which bringeth forth out of the treasure, out of his treasure, things new and old. And what a, what a strange sounding, and it just ends right there. He bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Well, we need to understand. what he's talking about. And one of the ways that I understand this is the way Isaiah describes our learning in the scripture. Isaiah 28, starting in verse 9, says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? This is 
like Jesus teaching these disciples now. And now, from this point, is going to be the disciples moving on and teaching the other people. Verse 10 says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is a refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. Now this is a, he repeats this, says, you, the way that we learn is line upon line, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. And I look at this verse from Jesus saying, Be like a householder, but bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. As we learn, as we grow, For me, preaching and teaching is fairly new still. And as I go, I'm learning new things and I'm adding to the old things. And I'm preaching week after week, trying to build your knowledge, trying to build on a foundation of teaching. And so I will preach something and then I talk about that thing and a few months later the, another scripture will bring up that topic again and we'll build on that line upon line, precept upon precept and we learn to grow and we can build our doctrinal base, our theology that piece at a time. And some of it's old. Some of it's stuff that we're well-founded in things that we knew in the past. And some of it's going to be new. <laughs> These new ideas, new thoughts, new concepts that we didn't know before. And so I see this treasure. There's things new and things old. And we have to be willing to add some new onto the old. <laughs> we need to be willing to grow. And that's exactly what Isaiah is talking about and the repetition that happens here he's, he starts off this is how you are going to grow and learn but in the very next thing he says to whom he said this is the rest the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest we can have rest in Christ And this is the refreshing. We can get a refreshing in Christ. But it says, they would not hear. And he says, the word of the Lord was like this. It was line upon line, precept upon precept. That they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. If you sit here week after week and never 
actually believe the gospel, never receive Christ as your Savior, you're going to become, instead of receiving the rest and the refreshing that's offered to you through this, all of that teaching becomes judgment against you in the day of judgment at the end. And you'll become like those tares, like those bad fish that get separated out and cast into the furnace. We need to not just sit under the teaching, but we need to believe the teaching. We need to apply the teaching in our lives. Once we receive this teaching, and I'll end with this, if you want to turn to Job chapter 32 with me, Job chapter 32. As we get to the to this point in the book of Job, we've had Job and his three friends back and forth banter, arguing as to why all of this has fallen upon Job. He's lost his family, he's lost all his possessions. He's sick, covered in sores, and is insistent that he's not guilty of anything. And the, his friends are they say, well, you must have done something. <laughs> Otherwise, God wouldn't have done this to you. And so we get to this point, though. There's, a, there's another guy here, Elihu. And he's remained silent up until this point. We'll get into verse 16, and he's describing his situation. He says, When I had waited, for they spake not but stood still, the other guys finally stopped talking. Verse 17, I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion, for I am full of a matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering title unto men, for I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. But... He's describing, he's been sitting here listening to all of this. And he has something to say. And he's about to burst at the seams with this need to give this message to these guys. And he says, Don't, I'm not going to accept any man's person. You guys are older than me. You guys have this authority over me. It doesn't matter who it is I'm talking to. I have to give this message. I can't hold back my tongue any longer. I have to tell you. And that's how we ought to be with the gospel. When we've received that gospel, when we've received the teaching of God's word, we should be about to burst at the seams to needing to give that gospel to others. We must, like, it's got to be 
bubbling out of us, boiling over, just ready to explode out to give that message to people that need to hear it. We'll pray now. Lord God, we just want to ask you to help us to have that need, that desire to spread your gospel, Lord, to, to, to tell people of the treasure that we've found in that field, Lord, the treasure, that pearl of great price, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, the forgiveness of sins that's available to us through his sacrifice on the cross, Lord. And so we thank you again for that and just help us, Lord, to see it and to have a desire to, to go and share that with others. We pray this again in Christ's name. Amen.